0: To do something powerful in your heart. I believe that he wants to bring new truth to your mind and he wants to do a transformative work in your life. I want you to do this. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter 3 this morning. Colossians chapter 3. There's a, there's a powerful verse in there as we as we continue this series 2020 vision. And we look at who God is, seeing him for who he really is, and seeing him in proper perspective that allows us to see ourselves for who we really are. This morning, I want to talk to you about this important truth that God is gracious. God is gracious. I love what it says in Colossians chapter 3, the 13th verse. It says this, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you operate in forgiveness as God himself has modeled to you. God, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would make it a lamp unto our feet, a light into our path. Help us, O God, to hide your word in our hearts that we might not sin against you. And we commit this moment to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So did you grow up being instructed by your family to hate certain people? Was there a Was there a, was there a neighbor? I just heard somebody go, yeah. (laughs) See, for me, there was. I will tell you, and I know it's not true for everybody in the room. But some of us, we can relate to the story of the Hatfields and McCoys. In fact, more of us than not, there was somebody in the neighborhood that we just didn't like. We understand this idea of vendetta. I was talking about this with the pastors this morning. And Pastor Kevin told me, he said, he said, my mother-in-law, oh, his mother, I'm sorry. Maria's like, not not mother, mother mother-in-law, not mother-in-law, mother. Maria's like, that's not my mom. Why are you talking about my mom? But he said, my mother can tell you the people that came to our wedding and the gifts that they gave and who gave a cheap gift. And how much it cost per person to do that wedding. And she can name the people in the wedding that still owe her. Because the gift they gave didn't match how much we spent to give them the meal at the reception. We carry these things, don't we? So I I grew up two doors down from my grandmother was where the Grip family lived. Elmer and Leota Grip. And we hated them. I don't know why, but we did. Like, they were awful people. Just, just, I mean, not, not even God would love them. I was taught. Right? I mean, I mean, you, you wanted to, you actually wanted to, like, to spit on their yard as you walked by. Pfft. Horrible people. Right? Listen, we, you, you, you know, these are just, these are just God forsaken, just, ugh. Right? Am I the only person that grew up being taught by your family, being taught by your parents, grandparents, that you weren't supposed to like those folks? Anybody else have this? Good. I just want to know that I'm not alone. Thank you, Michael. We, 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 we will carry these things, right? And some of, them, some of them go back generations upon generations upon generations. Some of them are, are new. They've, they've started with us. The... The person who who maybe offended you in second grade. That, that kid that stole your bike, that broke your toy. Um, that got the girl. Um, that, that classmate that called you fat. Who... <laughs> who pushed you out of a social circle, who stole your job. It's it's the epidemic that impacts our culture. This issue of being wronged and holding on to the wrong. God's word says a lot about this issue of of how how he responds to us, how he demonstrates to us the way that we're supposed to operate relationally and the importance, the significance, the priority of not just receiving grace from him, but being ambassadors of grace, which means that we forgive. We forgive, according to Colossians 3, we forgive as the Lord has forgiven us in the same manner that he has forgiven us, we are to forgive others. And it's vital that we understand this because if if, if not this, this issue of either living in overt bitterness or living with an incorrect assumption of what we think forgiveness is that keeps us bound, Because the word of God tells us that God forgives us with the same measure that we forgive others. It goes even greater. It says, where there is bitterness or unforgiveness, you will not see God. So let me ask you an an honest question this morning Have you forgiven? Is there somebody that could walk into this room this morning, and if they walked into this room, it would affect your disposition? Is there somebody, if they walked into this room this morning, it would remind you of a wrong that's been committed to you? An irritation that you carry. That is the definition whether we like it or not, that is the definition of unforgiveness. And it is unforgiveness more than, I'm convinced more than anything that robs us of our joy, that prevents us from living in peace and siphons off the power that God wants us to operate in in our life. And so God has brought you here this morning to speak to you specifically about this condition in your life and to help you to once and for all to live in forgiveness that brings freedom. Let me ask you the question right out of the gate. How willing are you to give that frustration, that hurt, that wrong, that offense over to God. Well, I'm willing to, but not this one. Pastor, the way that she broke my heart, the the, the words that he has spoken over me, what, what, what they did, I want this to echo. I want this to echo in the recesses of your heart and mind. Forgive in the same way that God has forgiven you. So so how has God forgiven me? Here's what God's word says. It says that as far as the east is from the west, that's how far God has forgiven removed the things that I have done that wrong him, that's how far he's removed that from me. In fact, I I love, I love asking this question. It's a trick question. Is there anything that God doesn't know? And people go, no, God knows everything. He's all knowledgeable. Um, and, And while yes, that is uh, for the most part, true. There are things that God doesn't know. God doesn't know the ways that I've wronged him. Because he says this, he says, I choose to remember their sins no more. He tosses everything, every wrong that you do, he tosses them into the sea of forgetfulness. And when, when you stand before God, when I stand, for God, because, stand before God, because of his grace, because of his mercy... The list of the things that we have done wrong That list will be empty In fact, when you stand before God As a redeemed child of God When you stand before God You will not stand before God To give an account for the things that you have done wrong You will stand before God Not before a judgment seat But you will stand before God Before the Bema seat Which is the seat where rewards are given out And you'll be judged for The level of reward Not the level of punishment because that's the posture that God has towards you. He's not a holy smiter looking to, to smite. He's a rewarder that loves to reward. And that, that's, the, that's his disposition towards you right now. Even those of you that are here, that you're here as a skeptic, you're here as a seeker, that you've not even acknowledged the sin in your life. You've not, you've not yet accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Understand that God has brought you here not to put you on blast. God has brought you here because of his incredible love for you and wanting you to walk not in judgment, not in condemnation, condemnation but to walk in forgiveness, to walk in freedom, and to live in power. See, that's God's plan for us. The plans that he has for us is to prosper us, not to harm us, to give us a preferred future and to give us a hope. And so he says, forgive, forgive, forgive. What does that even mean? What, is it, what does it mean to forgive? And, and, and why should I forgive? Well, when, when you see that word forgiveness, and you see it there in the New Testament, the, so the majority of the Old Testament really focuses on God forgiving his people. The New Testament, there's a dramatic shift, right? We go from God forgiving his people to us operating in forgiveness. And in the New Testament, there's this word that appears. And, and when you see the word forgiveness, it is, it is almost always, it, it, is, it, is, it is this Greek word, ephemi. Aphiomai. You don't need, listen, you don't need to know Greek to understand the Bible, but the New Testament, it was originally written in Greek. And, and there, are, there are a lot of words that, that the word in Greek and the word in English, that it's, it's really easy to make that translation. But there are some words in Greek that it's a bit more challenging to translate them into English. And this word ephemi, it's one of those words. Because the word ephemi, When we see forgiveness or forgive in the New New Testament, it's this Greek word ephemi. but this word appears 146 times in the New Testament. Of those 146 times, only 38 times is that word translated forgive. And so it's important that we look at not just this issue of forgiveness, but it's also if we look at the other places in the Bible where this word appears, it helps us understand the full context or the the full measure of this word. So, for example, when, when Jesus... Is, is standing before when he goes to John the Baptist, and he says, "I want to be baptized." John the, ba, uh, John the Baptist goes, uh, "Who am I to baptize you? I shouldn't be baptizing you. You should be baptizing you." And Jesus says this. He says, "Aphehem. It, it is important that you allow this to happen, that you permit this to happen. A little while later, Jesus is speaking to James and John. And they're there with their father, and they're, 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 they're taking care of the nets on the boat. And it says, when Jesus said, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men, it says that they ephemi, that they immediately left what they were doing and followed Jesus. So this word ephemi, it's an action word. I want you to notice that. When God talks about forgiveness, it's not, it's not coming to an emotional understanding. It's not just having mental assent, okay, I get it, I'm supposed to not hold this person responsible. I get it, I'm supposed to not feel bad about this person. And unfortunately, in our current context, when we think about forgiveness, forgiveness is almost always relegated to this issue of of some sort of mental understanding or, or really more so of reconciling how I feel emotionally, and we're told this, that if we're operating in, in, in forgiveness, then what we do is we let go of the emotion. When we operate in forgiveness, we're changing the way that we look at someone. But Ephemi, it's much more than that. In fact, when Jesus gave us this, this understanding of how to pray, he said this. When you pray, pray this way. Our Father who's in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, aphiomai our debts as we aphiomai our debtors. Let your will be done, O God. Let, 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 Let the way that you have established heaven, let that same posture be established on earth. And God, let us operate in full release of obligation to us or that which is owed to us just as you have done that for us. I love the idea of forgiveness of death. I want you to imagine that tomorrow When you open your mail, that there's this envelope from the bank. We have decided that we are going to completely forgive your mortgage note. I got an amen from the front row, right? Hey, by the way, you don't need to send us any more car payments. Some of you... That some of you, it's, it's Visa MasterCard. The Visa MasterCard could say, look, you don't need to send us a mo- minimum monthly payment. You don't need to send us any monthly payment because we're not dealing with a grace period anymore. Here's what we're doing. We're totally eliminating. You now have a zero balance. I mean, would that just excite you a little bit if that, happened, if that came in the mail tomorrow? You would go, woo, right? Come on now. Well, that's when, when Jesus says, this is how you should pray, Father, forgive us, eliminate that line that says we owe, as we do that to others. Wait, wait that's not what it says. That's not what it says. It says, Father, forgive us of our debts as we have forgiven our debtors okay not god you do this so we can do this it says god you do this as we have been obedient to your word and as we have done this see true forgiveness has it has significant expression to it. It's tangible. It's, it's more than dealing with emotion. Listen, the reason that this is important is because often we get tripped up with forgiveness and we think we've forgiven someone because we've dealt with the emotion, but then over time, the thought creeps back in, okay? And because we've not, because we've not overtly released them from their obligation then the emotion creeps back in. The reason why we don't operate in healthy forgiveness is because we don't understand how big this issue of forgiveness is. And that forgiveness isn't just the way that we feel, it goes beyond that to the way that we act. And Ephemi had significant concrete action attached to it. James and John, literally walked away from their father, they aphiomied that boat. When, when John the Baptist said, oh, I can't do this, Jesus said, oh no, you must engage in this baptism. You must permit this to happen because it is significant. And forgiveness is something that's tangible in our life. It's something that's, that's, that, that is significant in our life. It's not just going, okay, I won't be mad at you anymore. Because here's what happens. Even though we don't operate in overt malice, we still carry that that, that negative disposition. In fact, there are are people, Orlando is is one of the most de-churched, cities in America. And one of the big reasons why Orlando is one of the most de-church cities in America. In fact, there are people that are watching via live stream right now that they will watch, but they won't come because they're walking in unforgiveness. You're walking in unforgiveness because of a hurt that was done to you, hopefully unintentionally, but for some even intentionally, there was a hurt that was done to you by members of the church, by even potentially leadership of the church. And the enemy has used that and continues to use that to keep you bound. And because you bought into a misunderstanding of what forgiveness is, you think that you have forgiven, and yet there still is this disconnect and this discontent in your heart. And you can't reconcile it. And God has brought you to this place. God has you sitting in front of a television, has you sitting in front of a computer this morning to say to you, Ephemi, let it go. Permit restoration to happen. Forgive. It's that it's time. It's time. It's time. Why? Why should I forgive? Well, Colossians 3.13 is actually close to the end of a, of, of a greater thought that the Apostle Paul under the anointing of the Holy Spirit is giving. And Colossians 3.1 starts this way. It says, therefore... We are to set our heart on the things above. We're to set our heart on the things above. The reason I should operate in in a godly definition of forgiveness is because my heart belongs to God. My heart belongs to God. As David cried out, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. That's the work that God does. He's a healer of the heart. What are the areas of your heart that you have yet to turn over to God? Here's what I'm going to tell you. Those areas are the areas where you have stress. Those areas are the areas that you have pressure. Those areas are the areas that you're dealing with pain. Some of you are sitting here and and there's there's stress. There's pressure. There's pain over an ex-husband and ex-wife. Some of you, it's, an, it's a former employee, a former employer, a former business partner. It's a sibling. It's a parent. It's a grandparent. It's a classmate. It's a neighbor. And we we have this. We have this deal. No, 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 Pastor. I've 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 forgiven that person. I don't like them, but I've forgiven them. Bible doesn't say I have to like them, right? Says I have to love them. There's a difference between love and like. I love them, Pastor, but I don't like them. Okay, let's 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 kind of let's 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 no let's not talk about that. <laughs> Again, forgiveness is not about emotional acceptance. It is it is much more tangible than that. And we forgive. We operate in a because our because our, our heart belongs to God. We also, we operate in a FMI because our mind is not going to be held captive by these things that are temporary. I'm not, I'm, not to be, I'm not supposed to be focused on how you have wronged me, how you have disappointed me. Or what you owe me. And and when my when my focus is on that, what it does is it robs me from having a heavenly focus. And 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 when when I'm when I'm when I have an earthly focus instead of a heavenly focus, here's what happens: it keeps me from operating in joy. Because when I have a heavenly focus, When I know the destiny that God has for me, and I embrace the destiny God has for me, and I lean into the the destiny that God has for me, you know what that does? It's impossible for me to live without a a smile on my face, a song in my heart, and a swing in my step because God is good. See, when I think about God, when I think about all that he does, when I think about how he's ordering my steps, when I think about what he has in store for me, that gets me a little bit excited. But when I think about what you have done to me, when I think about how this person has wronged me, when I think about what they have owed me, it irritates me. So where does the enemy want to keep me? Here's where the enemy wants me to, here's where the enemy wants to keep me. He wants to keep me where my heart is hard. And where my thoughts are on these things that really don't matter in the grand scheme of things. But what what God's word tells us is this. It tells us that our heart is supposed to be set on the things above. Our heart is supposed to belong fully to God. And our mind is supposed to belong on things above. We're supposed to be thinking about heavenly things, not earthly things. And when heaven is my focus, it'll change the way that I view you, I ch- the, way, the way I view your activity and your attitude, and the way that our interaction has, uh, has taken place. And the things that I have in the past been offended by. So, so I, I should operate in grace, I should operate in forgiveness, because my heart belongs to God, and because heaven is my focus, and God's grace... This is, the, I think this is the toughest. We get this issue of our heart belongs to God. We're real good with that. We also get the issue of God's grace, uh, our, 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 the, our, our the focus, that I need to be focused on heaven because I'm excited about heaven because I don't like a whole lot about what's happening on this earth anyway. Here's the one that will trip us up because God's grace is extended to everyone. In Colossians 3.11, he says this, that God looks at everybody and he looks at them exactly the same. God looks at everybody and he looks at them exactly the same. People who have this cultural connect with God, God looks at them the same. People that have this cultural disconnect from God, God looks at them exactly the same. If we were to put, if we were to put what it says in Colossians 3 in proper context, here's what it'd say. It would say this, that God looks at Jew, Christian, Muslim, atheist, he looks at them all the same. That's what it, that's what he would, that's what he would say. Okay? That whether you're Latino, African American, whether you're Anglo, whether you're just a crazy hodgepodge mix, that God looks at you exactly the same. Whether you're young or old, rich or poor, whether you're male, female, even if you're operating this morning in gender confusion, God looks at you exactly the same. Okay? God is no respecter of persons. He looks at all of us exactly the same. And the the grace that God makes available to me is the same grace that He makes available to you. It's the same grace that He makes available to you. It's the same grace that He makes available to you. It's the same grace that He makes available to people that have a different philosophy than you. The the same grace that He makes available to people that have a different theology than you. The same grace that He makes available to the people that don't even like you. Now. Here's what I want. I don't want you to get confused. I don't want you thinking, is pastor saying there are many ways to God? No. Okay. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Okay. So I'm not on any way stepping away from the reality of the gospel and the simplicity of the gospel. But I want you to understand that whether or not somebody embraces the gospel doesn't change the way that God looks at them. And that same Holy Spirit that drew you, that wooed you into right relationship with him is wooing each and every person on the planet because God loves people more than anything. And God's ultimate desire is not to hold mankind responsible for what they've done, but it's for them to walk in healthy relationship with him and experience all that he has for them. And he wants us to have the same disposition towards others. God looks for reconciliation not retaliation. That's not what he's wanting. God's not interested in a pound of flesh friends. Here's what he's interested. He's interested in a reformation of the heart. Because God is gracious. So Father, our prayer today is that you would help us to forgive just as you have forgiven us. So how, how, do, I, how do I do that? How do I, how do I get to a place where I'm, where I'm operating in, in forgiveness? Well, it starts with It starts with, with this issue of surrender of character. Therefore, as God's chosen people, Colossians 3 says, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So God, would you today, would you do such a work in me that forgiveness is the natural response. God, that that, that I would see how much you've done for me and how much you've done in me so much so that it impacts every encounter I have, every connection I have, every relationship I have. That's the reason why in Colossians chapter three, it doesn't just say, hey, you need to be kind, you need to be compassionate, you need to be patient. Here's what it says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, because of what he has done, it it just makes sense then to operate in kindness, compassion, humility, gentleness, and patience towards that neighbor who regularly throws their cigarette butts over your fence. To that kid who drives by your house at four o'clock in the morning with his music turned all the way up. To that coworker who looks for the opportunity to stick you and get the upper hand. to to that person who took advantage of you and took something from you that can never be given back. If anyone be in Christ, they're a new creation. Therefore, as God's chosen people. You didn't choose him. He chose you. And he says this over you this morning. Child of God, son of God, daughter of God. He speaks this over you. This is the identity that he speaks over you. You are holy and dearly loved. You're holy and dearly loved. You're holy and dearly loved. I want you to say this with me. I want us together, I want us to say, I am holy and dearly loved. Are you ready? I am holy and dearly loved. Say it again. I am holy and dearly loved. Now say it like you mean it. I am holy and dearly loved. See, that's what God in his forgiveness, in his His ephehemi, that's what God does. He, He says, listen, this is the identity. This is the true definition of who you are. You're holy and dearly loved. Well, but God, I've done this and I've done this and I've done this and I've done this. And God says, you're holy and dearly loved. Well, God, not only have I done those things, God, there are things in my life that I continue to do. God, I'm gonna violate your word today. I don't want to, but it seems to be the pattern in my life right now And God says, you're holy and dearly loved. And God demonstrated his love for you and me And before we ever demonstrated any desire, any willingness to surrender our life to him, that he paid the price for our sins. God didn't just forgive you for what you did wrong. He paid the price to where you didn't have to. And so in that, in that understanding, it it helps us to kind of shift our perspective which should influence our character. And then what we do is we we step into that and go, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm gonna be somebody who operates in active forgiveness. I'm gonna I'm gonna look to operate in active forgiveness. I've heard people say this, yes, but God doesn't God doesn't initiate forgiveness. The Bible says that we have to repent. So I'll forgive that person when they repent. Here's here's God's response to that. If you look at the story of the prodigal son, it says this, that, that the prodigal son had this idea of how to communicate repentance to the father, right? And he's on his way to do it. And while he's still a long way off, at the moment the father sees him, here's what the father does. The father runs to him and the prodigal son tries to repent and the father goes, no, 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 I don't need to hear any of that. Bring the best robe, put it on my son. A ring for his finger, sandals for his feet. Kill the fatted calf, we're gonna have a party. And Jesus tells that story to where you understand God's posture towards you and the way that God demonstrates forgiveness. And so for that person that has wronged you, for that person that has devalued your name, at the moment the opportunity presents itself, Jesus gives us this picture of the father. The father runs to the son and says, reconciliation, restoration, reconnection. That's what forgiveness is. That's that's how we're supposed to, that's how we're supposed to, to, to love and to live. It tells us this, it says, and over all these virtues put on love because that, that love binds them together. Love hopes all things, believes all things, endures all things. And finally, the, the, final, the final piece of that, 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 that scripture, Colossians three, it says, let the peace of God rule your hearts. Let the peace of God rule your heart. It is impossible, listen to me, it is impossible to let the peace of God rule your heart if you've not dealt with this issue of forgiveness. It's impossible to forgive if my heart isn't in the right place, if my mind isn't in the right place. It's impossible to forgive if I don't understand the way that God views the people around me. So it's very important if I'm gonna operate in a FMI, active forgiveness, I first have to make sure that my heart is reconciled to God. And if you're here this morning and you have yet to give your heart to Jesus, he's brought you here today to where you can say, God, I have come to an understanding that you exist and I don't know everything about you. There's more I don't know about you than what I do know about you, but I know enough that I wanna say, God, I want my life to be connected to you. And so God, I, I, I admit that I'm actually not worthy to be connected to you. I'm not worried to have a relationship with you, but God, I thank you that you've, you've paid the price to where I can have a relationship with you. So God, I acknowledge that I'm imperfect, but God, I thank you that, t- that today that I can have a relationship with a perfect God. And in fact, God, you know better than me. I, I want you to become the guide of my life. I want you to be in control of where I go from here. That, that's, that's setting my heart on the things above. And God, as I, as I give you my heart, I also want you to change the way that I see things. I, I want you to change the way that I look at things. I want you to change my approach. I, I want to I set my mind on the things above, not on earthly things. <laughs> God, that, that doesn't just include my habits. It also, it also includes my opinions and my attitudes about others. Specifically, the people that I carry an offense with. And God, thank you that you've brought me here today to let me see that you look at everybody, everybody, everybody the same. And God, would you do a work in my head, in my heart, that I can do that too. Because God, I'm pretty good about doing it with most people, but there are some people that I just—it's hard. God, I, I, I see people from a certain culture. God, I even see people from a from a certain ethnicity, and it, it there's a there's 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 a, there's a pause. I, I see people that embrace a certain lifestyle, and it, it's just it's I I'm quick to I'm quick to judge. And so, God, I pray that you, would, that you would let me see the people around me the way, that, the way that you see them, even the people that have wronged me. Because I know this. I know that I've come to the realization that I'm your child. So as your child, I, I don't want to live in frustration and, in, and in, in covert bitterness or even overt bitterness. Instead, I, I want to live... This life of, of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I want forgiveness to be an active thing in my life. Where I'm 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 permitting it to exist. I'm, I'm, I'm walking away from the offense. I'm I'm taking that debt, I'm wiping it off the ledger. Because God, I I wanna live in love, not in frustration. And I wanna be guided by peace. I want the peace of God to rule in my heart. Not anger, not malice, not hatred, not bitterness. Not unforgiveness. You have been carrying this for far too long. And let me do this. Let me flip to the other side for a moment. Sir, you're in the room. Ma'am, you're here today. And you know this. You know that you have a friend who is angry with you. You have a family member that's frustrated with you. You have a sibling. You have a child that will not even talk to you. Because of hurts that are a direct result of your actions and your attitudes. And the enemy is using something that you did in your humanity. I'm not trying to put you on blast, but the enemy is using something that you have done to keep somebody else imprisoned. As you come to understand the reality of what forgiveness is, I, God is giving this to you, not just to you, but he's given this to you to where you can play an active role in helping that person be set free from the bitterness and unforgiveness that the enemy is using to keep them bound. Then there's a there's a third group. You might be the neutral party in your family. You might be the, your familiar equivalent to Switzerland. But you know Betty won't talk to Steve, Bob wants to punch Bill. And you're living in this world of bitterness and you're living in this world of unforgiveness. Understand this, that you are seeing before your very eyes the handiwork of the enemy. And you're called to be salt and light. And this is true not just in your, in your, in your, in your biological family. This is true in your spiritual family. There there are a number of you here today, you know people that they're walking with bitterness and unforgiveness towards God's house, towards the church, towards the people of God. Understand how significantly the enemy has them bound. It's time for us to be overt agents of a FMI, helping people to let it go, to operate in acceptance of the humanity of a situation. that debt on the ledger wiped off. Because where there is bitterness and unforgiveness, you will not see God. To the degree that you forgive others, Jesus declares, that's the degree to which you are forgiven. So I wanna challenge you this morning. Don't easily dismiss this. Let even right now, let the Holy Spirit speak to your mind, speak to your heart. And what you're going to feel in this moment, what you should feel in this moment, is not condemnation, okay? If you're feeling guilt that makes you feel bad, okay, that's what the enemy tries to do. The enemy operates in condemnation. God does not operate in condemnation. In fact, the Bible says specifically, there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. But here's what God does do that's really cool. God operates in this thing called conviction. And what conviction is, is conviction is this understanding and this desire to change. And I know this, I know that all over the room right now that that the convicting work of the Holy Spirit is in operation because that's what the Holy Spirit does. Okay? It convicts us and it guides us into a greater depth of relationship with God, which then impacts the relationship that we have with one another. So I wanna encourage you that if you're feeling condemned this morning, you need to push back from that. But that conviction, the understanding of a desire and need to change, you need to lean into that. And, and, and don't, don't dismiss it. Because God wants to do a really cool work in you in this moment. And he wants to set you free from some unforgiveness that you've been carrying for a little while or some of you that your unforgiveness that you've been carrying for decades and some of us even unforgiveness that's been carried for generations. Because the freedom that's found in forgiveness is unparalleled.